And we've been looking at uh, living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we saw that we're to seek those things which are above since we are alive in Christ and we've been raised with Christ. We are to set our mind on things above and so we're to focus on them and we're to slay the flesh. And so we got to learn how to put the Lord first. We saw, therefore, we're to put off the old things and to put on the new. So it's a whole new life. It's an active. When we said the key phrase there is to put on love. And love is always, it takes the initiative. Love is not just sitting back and uh, conjuring up an emotion, but it's doing something. It is uh, like faith. Uh, Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Well, uh, same way with love. Show me. Show me that you love me. It's not enough. And I've mentioned several times when I've dealt with men that have a certain addiction or they are derelict with their family. And they'll say, but I love my family. I say, no, no. By your actions, you show that you need the love of your family, but you're not really loving them. And so I try to, you know, I try to be as nice as I can, but uh, love does something. Love suffers long and is kind. Love uh, does a lot of things for people. It cares about people. It puts up with a lot and it does a lot. Now in saying that, we see that we are to put on love. And he goes on, he says, let, and then the word let in verse uh, 15 and 16. That is allow, uh, give access to the word of God. Uh, Let God, uh, let the Lord Jesus have his will and his way in your life. Submit yourself to him. And of course, let the word of God dwell in you richly, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. You know, in order, that just doesn't come normally. Like I told you this morning that uh, if I'm going to have insomnia, for some reason, it's going to be on Saturday night. And uh, when I wake up on Sunday morning, I'm saying, oh my, I've got the whole day and it's a big day of the week for me and I didn't get my full allowance of sleep. Well, I can feel bad about that or I can say, okay, Lord, uh, this is the day you've made. I've got to get up and do your bidding. And in doing that, uh, I know that you're going to give me strength because you tell, tell me that your strength is going to be made perfect in my weakness. You so you knew that. You knew I was going to have that problem on Saturday night. So, Lord, I want to go and I want to sing. So some mornings I get up and I'm singing and my wife doesn't like it, especially if she's still in bed. But, uh, but then there are other times I get up and I have to make myself sing. You have that? But once I start singing, then it's amazing what God can do in our lives. And of course, spirit-filled Christians are singing Christians. We sing to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And so we let the Word of God, we give access to the Word of God, we open the door, and sometimes opening that door takes effort. We're here this morning, it took an effort to be here for church, but I'm praying that the Lord will give you uh, great blessings for allowing Him now access to your heart and to your life. And so we see that uh, this is the idea of the word let, it's to, to allow God to do his bidding and his work in our lives. It's both passive as well as active as far as serving the Lord. And in doing that, he says, and whatever you do in verse uh, verse 17 of Colossians chapter three, I did say that, right? We're back in Colossians chapter three, verse 17. 
It says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. And of course, he had already said, and be thankful. And so one of the things, can I thank the Lord this morning? Can I be thankful in spite of the fact that sometimes you're not totally chipper? Yes, we can. Um, just like love, love is not an emotion as much as it is an action. Now, the next phrase, and as we've seen that then, he goes from what we're to do in the church. And this is church activities. These are things that we can talk together about and have in common and what the world needs to see in the church. And so we are the chosen generation. We are the royal priesthood. We are God's ambassadors to a lost and dying world. Second Corinthians chapter five, we are ambassadors unto the recon reconciliation. We want to see people reconciled with God. And so God has given us, the uh, given us the ministry of reconciliation. So Lord, help us to see the people we prayed for earlier be saved. Help us, Lord, to see those people that aren't walking with you be reconciled with you. Oh, Lord, we pray for Belvedere. Reconcile Bel Belvedere and East Rockford to yourself. Oh, Lord, help us to reach Boone County. Help us to have that ministry of reconciliation. And so we see that this is the work of the church. But then he gets very specific and he goes into family matters. And that's what we've titled the message this morning, family matters. And as Paul does it, we see in both places that he starts, uh, he starts with the, with the submission and then he goes to the duty of the leader. And he does this both here and also in Ephesians chapter five. So you have wife, husband, you have children, father, and you have servant, masters. Now, Peter does it a little different. He starts uh, with the ladies, and we'll see that uh, um, as we go on. But uh, <clears throat> we see that verse 18, and uh, this is where I have to be very careful. I prayed about it this morning. We are in such a touchy area here, not touchy-feely, but touchy as far as uh, um, sensitive uh, to this. I am praying, Lord, one wrong word, especially anybody might be tuning in on the internet with us this morning. Uh, this is so foreign to people that uh, it's, uh, it's countercultural. So I have to make sure that I approach this on a godly basis and not with a, uh, an abrasion or whatever, but uh, trying to come to a reconciliation with something that will not ever be totally reconciled until we see God face to face. And we'll see what I'm talking about in a moment. But we're gonna look at the word, the S word as some people call it. And so notice in verse 20, uh, fifth, uh, excuse me, verse 18 of chapter three of Colossians, wives, Submit, your, uh, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, the key word there is fitting. Fitting is, uh, we see that back in, um, it, in Ephesians chapter 2, he tells us that the church is fitly joined together. That word means designed. God has designed the church. God has designed society. So he said, this is the design. Now, 
we have to remember, though, if you go back to, uh, to Ephesians chapter 5, and let's go back to there and look at this. Just a couple of chapters, or ch- a couple of books back. And as you begin, um, in verse 17, we see that he, th- basically, Ephesians, uh, this is a corollary, or actually Ephes- uh, Colossians is a corollary uh, to um, Ephesians. Uh, many people, uh, we see that uh, there's a, a corollary means he adds to it. And so in the book of Colossians. But we see in verse 17 of chapter 5, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, that's his design. Do not be drunk with wine, uh, uh, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. How, are you, how do you show you're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to your to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that what he said in Colossians, basically? But then here's the S word again, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So there is a submission to, this is human, this is not gender. So we see that men, uh, that everybody must submit somewhere down the line. And so the word submission, as we have said many times, is a word that means you arrange under. You, you, if you're going to join any club, you say, okay, I'm going to join this club, but I'll arrange my life around the requirements of this club. If you join the church, we have a statement of faith and we have um, we are asking for a commitment to this is what we believe, this is what we do, and can you agree with us here? And if a person says yes, then they have, they said, We're gonna, I'm going to arrange my life under this. When I got married, I, a lot of things changed because I had to realize, whoa, my. I mean, <laughs> I was listening to a farmer yesterday. He was telling me, he said, there was no farmer outside of Belvedere here. He and his brother, they never got married. You know how they heated their house in the wintertime? They brought the animals in. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I could see my wife about two seconds and she'd be out of here, you know, and any other woman. <laughs> they kept, man, they, they warmed their house by warm animals. Yeah. And so no wonder they never got married. But you know, uh, but my wife, if, if I lived like that, the first thing she would say is, no dice, fella, until... You submit to what I want. I mean, I'm going to have to keep her happy. And so, uh, and there again, you know, as a man, I find that I want to please people. And especially, I know that women are a little different, so I want to please women in a little bit different way. Now, when I say that there again, it's one of those little phrases I have to be careful with. Because, oh, yeah, you're just a woman. No, I'm not a woman lover or whatever. And all that kind of stuff. You know, that uh, here we go with... Uh, we're going to see how that our society is today. Someone says, you know, the old statement, if a guy is bald in front, then he's a thinker. If he's bald in back, he's a lover. And if he's bald in front and back, he just thinks he's a lover. And so, you know, I don't know. But uh, uh, there again, I'm bald all over. So maybe I just think something. But uh, my wife, as long as, I, as long as I please my wife, that's all that matters, you know. And there again, she tells me that I'm the best looking guy in the world. And I believe her. And so that's all it takes. So there again, we submit one to another. And so, but, you know, we have to realize we're going countercultural. And when I say that, I ran across something. It says, 
1964, um, the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States of America was set up to deliver sex education in schools. That was 60 years ago. Two generations or five generations of kids that go through one through 12. And so 60 years ago, we saw that this was, set up. by the way, this is about the same time that Madeline Murray O'Hare had the Bible kicked out of schools. This was, I remember all the way up until about 1964, we would have a Bible verse. And uh, I remember old Mrs. Miss Taylor. She was uh, our biology teacher in the eighth or ninth, tenth grade, I think. Um, and uh, this was even after 1960 because I was a tenth grader in 66, I guess. But uh, uh, we still would have a word of prayer uh, and the volunteer could read a passage and we would pray together and we'd pass it around. And I remember some people didn't want to do it and other people did, no problem. But uh, all the way up until about 1966, but it slow, slowly phased out. And so we saw that... Uh, uh, we could have that, but now that has been dealt with and that's been replaced with sex education. Isn't, it inter isn't that interesting? And by the way, that's about the same time of the sexual revolution in America, make love, not war, the Vietnam War, and all that going on. And we saw a great change. I saw it, and I didn't totally uh, uh, see it. I mean, I didn't understand it, but I saw the gradualness even when I was in the service. In 1968, <clears throat> there were certain things when I graduated, boy, I, when I say that, I know that sounds ancient to some people because, well, never mind. But, uh, but when I graduated, you know, there were just certain things that even you didn't say in school around the, even the loosest of girls. So you just didn't say things because even the, the, the saltiest of guys would, you know, they would frown because you just didn't talk around girls like that. And then whenever I came back, I remember four years later after I, I was getting out of the service in 1972, and I went back to my youth group in my high school. And I was listening, when I say my youth group, I, I was listening to the kids in the youth group. And they were talking about things in the church. And I'm going, wow, you know? And that were, the girls were even saying things. I'm saying, wow, we've changed a lot. And just how quickly that whole generation changed in the seven of course that 70s show and then that 80s show and you had animal house and all these things that started breaking new barriers and 16 candles and all these things where now these teenage shows that they make are just so filthy that uh yeah and they just seem like it's the shock value they keep wanting to shock people with what they what they came up with and so we see that the, the government has had its uh, say. The government has, uh, has tried to say, uh, no longer do we want to say, dear Heavenly Father, we want you to say, dear Heavenly Government. So we, and that was all by design back in the uh, 60s, two generations ago. Now, something else happened. And he said in 1979, so it was 15 years later, he said, the Gay Liberation Front manifesto reads, uh, we must aim at the abolition of the family, founded on the archaic and irrational teachings of Christianity. In other words, we have anti-Christian people in our government today, in our institutions, in our 
uh, juries, in our judges, in our lawyers, in our education system, in our police force that now say, you know, the archaic teachings of Christianity are terrorism. I mean, Christian, I mean, did you see this past week? Uh, there was those people that d- they just wanted to pray uh, at a, an abortion clinic. And they were, and that some of them are going to get 10 years in prison just for praying at a, an abortion clinic. Now, they haven't done a thing about all those abortion or about those pro life clinics that have been torched. But they will go after anyone who wants to pray. That's our, that's our FBI, that's our government that is doing that. And then, of course, you get into the schools, and praise the Lord, there are still some Christian teachers around. But at the same time, we see this whole, you know, all these folks. If I say that homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord, then I'm a terrorist. I'm a, some type of phobe. If I say one man, one wife, then I am binary. And all these terms that they came up with. Well, there's a term that they come up with now that uh, just to me, now it may have been around sooner, but it's, they've, you know, they tried all of these make it um, uh, theological terms. But now I realize that I am a complementarian. Do you realize, you know what a complementarian is? It all begins in back in Genesis. Notice he says, by design, it is fitting in the Lord. Fitting, okay, there's a design there. Not to be very careful because my wife is here and got ladies here and so forth. I am not saying it's fitting for you to be submission because there's a submission, as I've already tried to stress, there's a submission on my part. But there is an order. There is certain things. Uh, You realize that there's more women that are studying for the ministry in the United States today than men. You realize, I mean, and then is there any, but something is out of order. And you realize, and as a result of of things being out of of God's design, you're having churches that are accepting the, the, the things that God calls abominations. And so let's turn back to, let's look back at the design. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, where the Lord says something that our government, and we got people in our government that uh, say that this is old-fashioned, this is wrong. Genesis chapter 1, and you will begin in verse, uh, let's just look at verse uh, 26, sixth day of creation. Then the Lord said, let us make man in our image. I'm not talking about that we look like God, but he gives us, can God get, does God have emotions? Does God see? Does God hear? Yes. That's the type of image he's talking about. God is spirit. And God has given us that spiritual being, being, spiritual beings. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. No dominion there over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. And that takes care of a lot of the, um, of the environmentalists today. So man is to, um, to learn how to control the, the earth or to, uh, to preserve the earth. Uh, notice he says, 
So in verse 27, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what does that tell us? That men and women are binary. Boy, these words we never even heard before. You know, what's binary means two. No, we're not binary, we're trans. Or no, you're not, you are confused. No, God designed you to be who you are. Every chromosome in your body is either male or female. Now, someone might come up, well, wait a minute, Pastor, there might be one-tenth of one percent that are binary, not binary, whatever. I don't know. Uh, no, I, you know, but in general, you know, uh, you can tell a man and a woman. Uh, I was reading something about Adolf Hitler the other day, and the Russians had his body. And, uh, or they supposed to have his body or whatever. But there was some, someone that was trying to confirm that it was Hitler's body. And what they were doing was saying, we can tell by his jaw whether he's a man or a woman. His very jaw. Now, what is binary about a jaw of a man or a woman? Uh, we could tell, of course, they could tell by the hips or by the bones of the hip, the hip bones or, or the knee bones. Uh, women walk differently than all these different things that, that are so different. And pray, you know what? As a man, I sure am glad. I don't want to, I didn't marry some guy that could uh, compete with me in football. I wanted somebody that could cuddle, you know, or whatever. But at the same time, I want somebody that's strong enough to take care of herself. And so we are different. And to think about it, we've been, we'll be celebrating 44 years this year. And I'm still learning things. And like I said, told her this morning, you like cheese, you get better than with age. You know, but... (laughs) Oh, she doesn't like that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm in trouble. But, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but you know, we're different, and I love it. So there's nothing wrong with men being different than women. In fact, God designed it that way, and so we are binary, and so that's one of the terms that we hear today. God designed us to be different. I sure like. Uh, uh, Linda just walked in and she calls me her big brother. Now, she wouldn't let me call her uh, her little brother because I'm so much bigger than she is. I couldn't call her my older sister because she doesn't like that at all. And so I had to figure out, so she's my little sister and I'm her big brother. I mean, that's great. But she thinks differently than I, than I do. Praise the Lord, you know. But then again, sometimes I wonder about <laughs> she's got she's got fire in her eyes at times. Whatever, that's great. Praise the Lord. She likes things and she doesn't like things. Praise the Lord. That's the way. We, but I treat her different than I would Roy when he was here. Roy was a special guy, but he wasn't Linda. Does that make sense? And so they were binary. They were different. And so so is man. I got. Three boys, and I got one girl. And I've told that girl, you caused me more problems than all three boys put together. And of course, she didn't cause me any major problems, but she was different than the boys. And so always, everything we did, whether it was a bedroom, so, you know, when we even think about buying houses, okay, what do we do with the two, three boys and one girl? 
Everything we had to do was different. What about closets? What about clothes? I mean, every we could no hand-me-downs with only one girl. You know, all these different things that were binary. And praise the Lord. That, that's the way it was, the way it is. And then the other word is what we said is complementarian. Uh, Notice what he says in chapter 2, in verse 15. Then the Lord, now chapter 1 gives us a synopsis of what he did. Chapter 2 fills in the blanks. It's not two different authors here, like some people try to say. That's liberalism. But this, this is the way that Hebrew thought goes. It will make general statements and it'll come back and fill in the specifics. And so in verse, chapter 2, verse 15, Then the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord commanded man, saying, Every tree of the garden you shall eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. He didn't even know what that meant. Um, and so we see that man was born with vast amount of intelligence because he named the animals. He classified them. He named the bushes and the trees and the birds and the bees. You know, he, he named them all. That tells us that, I mean, he Adam was a very brilliant guy. And so we see, and the Lord said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a help meet or a helper, a helper uh, uh, comparable to him or a help meet, as the King James says, uh, for him. That word is the idea of complement. And that's where we get the complementarian. It, does, it means completer. Not, it means not complement as, okay, uh, you tell her she's pretty all the time or she tells you you're pretty all the time. No, it's the idea of complete. So I, man, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a help meet. I will make a someone who is different from him. We do not, it's not opposite sex, it's complementary sex. And so a woman isn't, a boy isn't opposite from a girl. They complement one another. Boys and girls, you know, that's even, they've even uh, uh, said that they don't want, to, don't want you, the workers at Disney World to say that anymore. Boys and girls, how sad. And so we see that uh, I, that the word, so we are different because we complement one another. Uh, even in our, uh, everything that we do, we just did something uh, last uh, Thursday night at Dan's house. But where um, uh, we had, uh, you put that chair down next to the wall and then you take two steps out and you put your head on the wall. There is no way that a guy even has, a, I, you could think about trying to raise that chair and then rise up. But you can't do it. There, there is no muscles for a guy to do it. But then, uh, sweet thing up there, that uh, uh, she took two steps back, and she did something that all the king's horses and all the king's men could not do. She lifted that chair up, and then just stood right up. Because women are different than men, even in their bodily makeup, in their emotions, everything. Now, does that mean that they're inferior to men? Absolutely not. But it does mean that we complement one another. And so my wife was, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
graduated valedictorian and whatever. I barely graduated, you know, I didn't. So uh, when I say that, I graduated, but I found out that I was a little bit smarter than I thought because I never just, you know, I didn't grow up in an academic household. And so it took me a while to learn how to study. But once I did, I did all right and even got a master's degree. But, you know, I didn't come from an educated background. And so, uh, but at the same time, and boy, do we clash. I mean, I, you know, she goes, she's detail. And I talk our kids, I, we always kidded about it. But uh, boy, she could pick out the cross T's and the dotted I. Man, just read it. You know, to me, it was just get it out, you know. And so I saw the general and my wife was very specific. And my kids would just laugh. You're so different from, my, yeah, we're different from one another. I'm glad my kids saw that I'm different than my wife. And so we see that, uh, I, that my wife compliments me. So am I a complementarian? Yes. Oh my, do you realize that means that you want to destroy women? You are a brute. Yeah, I'm so brute that, uh, brutal that I even, that's my uh, stuff that I've been wearing ever since I was, was in the Navy. It was brute aftershave. <laughs> Boy, I'm a brute, you know. No, uh, so we see that we are, we are different. And yet, we see that God says that you, that it, you can't live, you're not going to have more than one, two, two generations where uh, one doesn't complement the other. God just made it that way. It takes two. So we see that, that God says that. Now, the one thing that we know that man has problems with, and this is what, dis, what really got into, and we've had been having problems ever since, was man and Satan destroyed God's design. Or they tried to, Satan tried to destroy it. But we notice now that the Bible tells us in chapter three, of course, is it the fall. And we see that um, the Lord in verse 20, and Adam called, uh, wait a minute, whoops, let's go back. Let's go back to, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh uh, boy, I didn't mark it. Get, help me with the, where the Lord talked to, to Eve. See, she saw that was good. Um, when I don't mark it, I get in trouble. Um, oh, well, let's go back. It's right there in front of me. Okay, uh, verse 15. Um, verse 16, he says, uh, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. And I'll complicate your conception. You're going to have complications. You know, uh, uh, human beings are, I think, one of the few, if any species, if you want to call it that where it requires assistance for women to have children. I mean, you know, the old cows out in the forest or whatever, you know. Uh, now we know that there's veterinarians that uh, take exception to that, but at the same time, in general, it's the only, it's the most complicated of all the species is women and their conception. And so he says, uh, I will multiply your sorrow and your conception and the pain that you shall bring forth children. One of the dumbest books that my wife and I ever read was a book uh, back when we were, I think it was our first or second child, Childbirth Without Pain. And my wife 
She said, I want an epidural. And I'm saying, sweetheart, are you sure it's going to cost another couple of thousand dollars? No. But, you know, she said, no, I want one. Okay, okay, dear. So, you know, uh, and I threw that book. I said, that's the dumbest book I've ever read in my life. And, or read parts of it and never read it all. And then the next phrase, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. See there, that's what you say, pastor. And that's why the Bible isn't true. No, uh, the idea here is your desire and the, and the phraseology. And I think uh, a couple of people like John MacArthur and others have brought this out, those who really study the Hebrew. And that is the context there, the syntax of it, is your desire will not be for your husband. Now, there will be that. There's a double-edged sword there. Your desire will to be wanting to get married not one more, and have children. In fact, later on, the Bible says that there's two things that aren't uh, satisfied, never will be satisfied. That's the empty grave and the empty womb. And so, you know, that's, there's always a woman that has that desire for childbirth. Not always these days, I know, we get into that. You're classifying us again, Pastor. No, I'm not. I'm trying to give you in general. And today, women are taught to hate children. Um, I won't name her because we're on the internet, but there was a woman leader, woman leader, and these days you get sued for anything, so I want to make sure that uh, I'm not trying to defame anybody. But uh, she was at a, um, one of these rallies, and it was at a school setting. But she was with National Organization of Women. And, um, and, uh, and the Christian school teacher heard her say, I hate children. And here she is at a school gathering, you know, with all this, this stuff. But she just, I hate children. You know, you look at the head of the one of the uh, national or the education, and they're not. She's not even married. Doesn't even have kids, and yet she's the one who's really dictating so much stuff that are anti-child. And so we see that there is a there is a desire for for there's a natural desire to be loved and want the security. In fact, I heard a statement yesterday. There's a growing gender gap when single women are and one of the greatest uh, movements in America, women are buying houses and men are going into stocks. Women want the security. They want the place to live, so forth. Men could live in an apartment or in a tent, but you know, whatever. And so the majority of, and this is from what I heard yesterday on, I think it was PBS, but more women own homes in America than than men. So it's kind of interesting there again. Uh, there's that dichotomy there. There's two differences. And so we see, but their desire is for security. And men are stronger, faster, in spite of what uh, the Ivy League says, that men and women are equal and they should compete together. That is totally false. By example, we know it's false. And so but the desire is for the woman to want to compete with the man. They don't want to be submissive. And in, in a sense, that's pretty good because they, women have to be independent at times. And so there is a natural tendency not to want that thumb on them. But at the same time, in order for God's design to work, it has to be, okay, Man is to be the head of the house. Men are to be the head of the, in churches. And it's been proven time and time again, and we just mentioned it, 
when women become the pastors and leaders, the men become pew potatoes or couch potatoes. And then you have all the problems in the marriages. You have all the problems with kids who don't know their roles in life because it's out of God's design. And we'll get into men later, but never does the Bible tell directly a woman to love her husband. Now we'll see later on where it says the church is to teach women to love their husbands and older women are to teach. Uh, so there again, God gave the, the commands to man and man was to, to, uh, to tell his wife what God said, Adam and Eve. Satan went to his wife, not to Adam himself because he knew what God had said to Adam. And so even in the church, men love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You never see that with women. And uh, uh, Titus, uh, the church is to teach the women how to love their husbands. <laughs> now, wait a minute, that, you know, you're not going to teach me anything. I already know more than you do. Okay, that's fine. You know, I'm just going to give you some general principles and you work out the rest. You know, there again is, so we see that God, the design there is that man is responsible to love his wife. And, if, and the women are responders. If you do it right, then you got the right response. Right? See what I mean? One of the main things I've said, I've heard from ladies, I can't get my husband to come to church. I can't get my husband to take the spiritual leadership. Oh, I'd rather watch a football game or whatever. And so that's, and I was reading some sports star, I should have gotten his name, but he was on one of the major stations. And he said, and he's a black guy. He said, the problem in, in America, and he was really going countercultural with CNN or MSNBC, and the lady was just frowning at him. But he, he said, the big problem in America, in black neighborhoods, is not the drugs, or it's that we don't have fathers raising the kids. And, oh, how can you say that? Men, women don't need men to have kids. We hear that, don't we? But one of the big problems in the black man, the white neighbor, you name it, it's, it, it doesn't matter what culture. It seems so if God designed it, if we go against the design, we're not changing the design, we're destroying ourselves. Does that make sense? Whenever a government says, we're going to go against God, we're going to kick God out of school, we're going to take over, then we are going against God's design. And what's a, do we see a happier America since 1960s, whenever all this takes? Or do we see a more violent, more aggressive, more hateful, more um, unsettled America today? Kids that are growing up don't know, you know, they are so unstable. Uh, one of the things I was, uh, they did a study in Detroit and they, they, and they was on the news. But one of the key things, the kids, why do, why do you join a, 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 a gang? And you could probably do this in Chicago too. Why, are you, why, why is the gang so important to you? And invariably, each one of the kids said, because it's family. How sad. Family is not home. Family is the gang. Because we all need Family. 
Isn't it interesting? God starts off then with us in the family in Colossians and Ephesians about how the church family is to get along and how the church family is to be to teach the uh, nuclear family. Boy, I don't like that word. Uh, the, the, the single family. Uh, how to live. So there's a design there. Are, are there rules? No, there's principles. I cannot tell you exactly how to do it. My wife and I had to work out a lot of things in our lives. And that's why as you get older, either you make it or break it, you know. And so, again, uh, I can't tell a family, you know, I was going through something. I, I keep looking at different things, but the different crazy things that couples do. And I had heard about a couple doing it. And I thought, yuck. But one of the 20 things that uh, people do that are weird is they share toothbrushes. My wife won't even share a drink with me. I say, sweetheart, kiss you. Ah, you drink it. So, you know, a little on a toothbrush. Weird stuff. Now, I'm not, is there something in the Bible that says you can't share a toothbrush with your woman? With your woman, with your, oh, sorry, with your wife? With my woman. No, my wife doesn't like that title either. Don't call me a woman. Okay, dear. So, again, I learned how to not to deal with. But I can't tell you it's wrong. If you want to swap germs with a toothbrush, Go ahead, but don't, just don't tell me about it. Yuck, you know. But uh, all kinds of different things that men and women think are romantic. Weird. Now, of course, the only people that aren't weird are my wife and I. <laughs> but you talk to my kids. <laughs> oh, hey, Dad, you're the craziest. How in the world do you two ever get together? I mean, here they're in their 30s and 40s now, and they're saying, how in the world do you two ever get together? You know, so... <laughs> But that's, hey, that's life. I can give you some principles. There are people that because my wife is the way she is, and she's so sweet, that I've been accused, and I was talking to Anna and Evelyn about this, of, of being, you know, like uh, Mother Mac used to say, now, you treat her nice, don't you act your normal self. You know, she's just so sweet and all this kind of stuff. And we've had, your wife, she just is so defeated. You beat on her. You have no idea how strong my wife is, you know, <laughs> and how whenever she gets going, boy, I got to, you know, there again. No, wait a minute. No one that's, uh, she's back there shaking her head. So there again. No, I mean, I, I want to please her. Right. As someone said, uh, as a man, you, either you can be happy or you can be right. And so, you know, I want to be happy. So, <laughs> but there again, you know, all these different things that we have. But you work out those things. The church and the, and the family are the two institutions that God has created and ordained to work out personal situations and relationships. Look at what he said in the church, all the things, that how we're to be kind to one another, love one another. But then it goes right into the family, does it not? So the church is to be example publicly but then the family is to be the example privately. Now, again, you could talk to my kids. Don't. But if you did, you'd find out that my wife and I had a few problems growing up. Growing up. Growing old. Whatever. But, hey, that's made us stronger. Does that make... Okay, we're at the close. But do, now, do you see the God's design? I can't give you rules but I can give you principles. The one thing I've never worried about 
is my wife. Not, I mean, we'll pray about it and she'll be very strong. But uh, I knew that I always had my, my wife always had my back or whatever you'll call it. Even when we disagreed in the end, we had to go, if I had to make a decision, and many times it was just up to you, you know, whatever, but to end up, well, I hate that. Won't you tell me what to do? But uh, no, uh, I knew that she was going to follow. And that's been the greatest strength of our marriage is her. Although sometimes she, she does have the right to say, I told you so. so but you know, so, but, you know uh, there again. But isn't that true? Without, you know, Al's been married, seven, was married 72 years. Was it always a piece of cake? Yeah, her wife was a piece, his wife was a piece of cake, but, uh, but no, he wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, but, oh, no, that's the way, but that's life. So you learn how to work out problems. And when the family doesn't know how to work out fa- problems, then the church doesn't know how to work out problems. The society doesn't know how to work out problems. And all we have is war. Isn't that true? Let's go back to God's design. Complementarian. I am one. But it's not like the world says. And it's a whole new term. So, and binary, I am one, or whatever. We are, by design, those things. And when we go against those things, then we're just opening up a can of worms. Well, let's pray. Father, now give us wisdom in knowing how to carry out your principles in our lives. May the world see that we walk with you in love and understanding and patience and hope together. May they see a church that can work out its differences and love one another. May they see families that are drawn together. Lord, we realize that uh, in these last days that we're going to have all kinds of problems in the family as a result of the generational divides that have been caused even by our very government. And so, Lord, help us as a church to reestablish the authority of the Word of God, the design that you set forth for us to live peaceably and joyfully with one another. Bless, Lord, your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.